0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, everybody out there! It's Brian House here for the Work for It podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brian House, and uh, today I am joined in the studio by my lovely wife. Hello! Sarah, and actually Trent is on a secret mission right now, so he's not joining us on today's podcast. I know there'll be... Quite a few of you who will be very disappointed that Mr. Trent isn't here, uh, as we are, and we will miss him on this episode. But he's doing a... um, I I don't know if I told you, Sarah, but he was called back into this special ranger, uh, the the, the army. They called him back uh, because he's like the only guy that can perform this one thing. Um, I don't know, some special mission. You're
1: serious? You're not making this up? It's
0: a special mission. I don't know. I mean, I'm just... Telling you what I know, gotcha. and um, he a lot of this is classified. I wasn't supposed to talk about it, but oh. I feel like our audience should know. Trent is probably, um, you know, jumping out of an airplane right now into some sort of jungle bush situation where he'll end up. You know, maybe, um, you know, I, I don't know. I can't a, say a anymore. I've, bush I've already situation? said. I've already said too much.
1: I, uh, now everybody knows. Also, that Brian cannot keep a secret.
0: Yeah. It's That's unfortunate. True. I may have compromised national security by talking about this. Um, but anyhow, Trent, you will be missed. Uh, Maybe
1: one of us will freak out in his honor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll rant about Somebody something. Somebody
0: needs to start yelling and screaming and talking about uh, uh, capitalism versus something else. And and uh, and then get really super angry. That, that could be me today. It I, might be. I've had I don't kind know, of a rough day.
1: It might be me. I've had a, a day as well.
0: Yeah, I, I just today just a lot of stuff's not clicking for me today, but but I did accomplish quite a few things.
1: We both worked for it.
0: Today was the definition of work for it. Yes. Um, I actually broke a sweat today.
1: Oh, yeah, that's new.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm working on this. Uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, uh, you'll know that I've been working and uh, also on YouTube, I've been working on a um. A buffing wheel project for probably the last four months and of course it's not like four months consecutive but uh I've been working on an attachment that will go inside of the tooling arm receiver for the revolution 2x72 belt grinder and uh, it's a buffing wheel and uh and the the attachment itself is actually um just pretty simple it's like pillow block bearings with a shaft that goes in the middle, and then on the outer ends, there's just two big ten-inch buffing wheels that are driven by a by a, like a sanding belt. Um, that project has uh, it, it slowed down for a bit because I ran into an issue with the shaft. Trying to find a shaft that I could have threaded three-quarter ten, blah blah blah. Um, long story short, is today I didn't finish, but I think I'm very close. Like tomorrow, I'll actually. Have a, a a very good working prototype tomorrow.
1: Are you going to release some video of that?
0: I will probably release it on Instagram. Yeah, and uh, I'm working on. I I don't know if you heard, but I did the Art of Craftsmanship podcast, uh, and I they invited me on the show, and I had an awesome time. So if you uh, look through the Art of Craftsmanship's uh, catalog, you'll I think it's one back. You'll see that. Um, uh, I was on the show and I had an awesome time and those guys were telling me how much they miss my vlogs and I was like yeah but nobody watches them and you know that kind of stuff so and, and we talk a little bit about that and um, on, on the show so go go listen to that the Art of Craftsmanship podcast on the Makery Network. If you're not familiar with what the Makery Network is uh, I am one of many makers who are creating audio content for you to listen to on your commute and in your workshop and while you're working. And hopefully right now I'm in your headphones and I'm my Smooth, buttery voice is coming across and filling your space with good vibes and, you know, creative, inspiring words of projects and all this other good stuff. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to go to the website, makery.network, and you're going to find a whole bunch of other makers who are doing the exact same thing. Um, I know that podcasts help me get through my day, especially when I'm doing an arduous task like taking some three quarter inch rod and adding threads to it because that took me like four hours today so and a podcast helped me through the entire process
1: what were you listening to
0: strangely enough I was not listening to the makery uh, network I was listening to another podcast by a guy named Brad Rodriguez it's a podcast called made for profit I don't know if you guys have uh, know who you probably know his YouTube channel it's called um, fix this build that or fix that build this I can, I, I can never remember um, but Brad Rodriguez, he is inspiring, and um, uh, I've been following him on YouTube for a long time. He's doing it right. He's actually creating content, and he's worked a business around, um, you know, the the idea that you can make content on the Internet and then actually make a living doing it. Uh, so, uh, And that's something, actually, I, I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about branding and branding. Uh, creating a space for you to go online and whatever that is whatever it is you choose to do actually turning it into a viable income stream whether it be a side hustle whether it be um, you know your primary source of income whatever it might be, I think a lot of people want to achieve this, but they have absolutely no idea how to get there. And granted, I'm not doing it yet. You know, my, my um, content creation stuff and everything you see me doing online is still just a side hustle, you know? But I'm in the process of actually, hopefully one day switching over to being a full-time content creator. And that is my journey. And you guys are coming along with me on that journey. So uh, Sarah, because you do this for a living. Can you tell me the basis? Let's just say I'm a guy and I want to start my own personal brand. Um, and I'm, I'm a maker. I, I can, I can be making anything. It doesn't really matter. What do you, what's your like a tip? Like what's something you could tell me to do that I need to do every day or, uh, something I, that's critical to my success?
1: I would say the most critical thing is probably just to keep it simple. I think it's easy to get really overwhelmed by all the advice that's out there. And if you follow Gary Vee in particular, he's like, just do it. If it looks like crap, just post it. Like, don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about the details because like any dev project or creative project, if you wait for it to be perfect before you launch it, you'll never launch it. So just kind of... Keep everything really simple and keep moving forward as quickly as possible. And Just don't, try not to get lost in the details.
0: I think that's the beauty of doing this kind of work is that there, it's a space where you can fail a whole bunch of times and you do it publicly. Yeah. But the more you do it, if you do it, if you keep doing it, you're going to get better at it. And all that stuff that you did in the past where you failed, I think- you know people understand you know it's when when you're looking at social media or they forget i mean that's the other thing too i think people's um you know short-term memory is is really short now you know you can you can do things i even noticed this like if i'll post the same thing like a month later um not the same piece of content but something similar and i get a whole new slew of people commenting on it that they had never seen it so it's like you know, Gary Vee does talk a lot about that. Like, don't have paralysis by analysis. You know, you just put out and show the documentation of your process of your growth. Um, and if you think that you're live, you're swimming in a sea of other people doing this, the exact same thing, you are. But if you're consistent and you do keep it simple and you keep posting, uh, you'll rise up. It might take a year, might take two years. Uh, you know, some of the podcasts I was listening to today, um, Brad talking on uh, the. Um, uh, made-for-profit podcast, he was talking about, or actually he was talking to the uh, to a gent uh, uh, who had a YouTube channel for like the last two years, and I just checked in on that YouTube channel, and he's got 487,000 subscribers now on YouTube, and he's only been doing it for two years. Wow. Huge. And he's a full time content creator. He goes to Workbench Con and he does all these things and he's living the life that he wanted to live. He's working with his hands, he's being creative, and he's also creating content, educating people, and doing it all while making a living. Uh what and does
1: he make exactly?
0: He's a furniture guy. He does right. like um, you know, traditional woodworking, essentially. So that's
1: a really good example because there's a lot of people that make furniture, right? Yep. There's a million people making furniture yep. every day, right? Every day. And then there's a, a million kids watching something on YouTube that think I can make that furniture, but there's already a guy making a chest of drawers. Like what, but your biggest differentiator isn't the the, the drawers. It's you like telling, making the drawers the way you make it. Even if you're copying somebody else's design, you're still going to make it your way and you're still going to tell your story your way. And no one else is just like you. So, you know, like just, just go for it and don't worry about what you're, assumed competition is doing just you could be doing the same exact thing but nobody's going to do it just like you
0: that's a good point I think um, that's an undersold concept because everybody is trying to do something new and original and um, you know there's very few people out there that are new and original doing stuff but if you can uh, give it your own spin and put your own style on it classic example is the art of craftsmanship you know and you watch that channel you get sucked in and i was telling dustin and devin i'm like i'm in your workshop with you and you guys are like hanging out i feel like i'm there and uh, i like those guys a lot so uh to support their work is uh, really important to me and i i just feel like you're right if if you just show up and you show the real deal and you don't listen to the the naysayers is they're gonna come up you know that you can do this, and you could actually make a living at uh, being a maker online and creating content or uh, selling your product, too. That's the other thing. A lot of people don't see um, – there's two two methodologies here. One is I'm going to be a maker on the Internet, and I'm going to use that social media presence to sell my goods, my wares, right? So let's just say you're a, you're a hammer maker. You know we know we know a bunch of guys that are making hammers right now, um, and that's a that's a big thing. You know because blacksmithing, if you think about it, there's like all these spin-offs that are coming from the concept of working with metal, knife making, blacksmithing, and all that. So you got a whole bunch of people making knives, and then you got a whole bunch of guys making the tools. Like me, I make tools for blacksmiths and knife makers and metalworking people, and and. Now people are watching my journey, creating tools for a spin off of a social media trend. Right. You know, it's like an inception kind of, right. kind of thing, you know?
1: And like agonizing over like being the grinder guy or not being the grinder guy. That's just a waste of time. You yeah. Just, you just need to do your projects and see where they take you.
0: Yep. You're right. Yeah. And, and today was a classic example of I should have filmed all day today. And I I just didn't get a chance to, I was just, I got pulled in a hundred different directions in a hundred different times, but I still accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. But the journey of how I got there today would have been really interesting, I think, for people to watch because it's doing something that probably shouldn't have been done, you know, like the, the threading, the way I was doing it on my, and I got my lathe working Um, I don't know if you remember, but I I acquired a lathe like a while ago. Oh, I remember. Yeah, Yeah. remember that?
1: And I'm like, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Why do you have this?
0: It's sat on a shelf for about uh, a year almost now. Has it been a year? Yeah, it's been a year. Was that
1: when you bought a bunch of tools
0: at once yeah from, from a guy our, named scott right scott was he needs to come on the podcast by the way he's at, he's offered a couple of times and the 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 scheduling just hasn't worked out so um but he is going to come on the podcast and we are going to talk about that tool acquisition actually the that whole um scott was a catalyst for a lot of things that i'm doing now and he he plays an important role in my progression as a as a machinist as a as, as a maker so he's an he'll be an interesting guy to talk to plus he's just fun to talk to anyway but um yeah so i acquired all those tools at the same time from scott he drove them down and um helped me load them into my shop and everything and at that time we had just purchased the studio space and uh there really wasn't anything in it i mean it's just like a handful of tools maybe a couple workbenches and that kind of stuff and, and
1: there's a whole lot of room
0: whole lot of room and not not, even, not anymore not so much now uh, but they, the, the lathe was part of that acquisition. And this is a, um, Dexter and I actually worked on it, uh, quite a bit. And we filmed some of that and put it up on Instagram and that got a lot of feedback. People were really interested in it. It's a, um, 1946 Logan 400 lathe. So it's a, it's an old, old lathe made in Chicago, I believe.
1: Hmm. So what can I make with it? Cause that's the first thing I think when you get a new tool, I'm like, well, what could I do with it? Hmm.
0: What could you do with it? Well,
1: uh, Or should I just stay away from it?
0: The, the lathe is a pretty advanced piece of machinery. I'd I, would probably hurt, say, I would hurt
1: myself on it.
0: Yeah, I'd probably stay away from that <laughs> okay. initially. But uh, a lathe is something you can, uh, it basically spins, and then you use tooling to cut things into it. Right. Uh, the, into whatever's inside of your uh, your chuck.
1: So you can make a chair leg or something.
0: Yeah, in, in this case, this is a metal lathe. So um, there's different styles of lays uh, in this particular case. This one's designed specifically for metal. So you would like you could create threaded uh, uh, like you can create nuts and or not nuts, but bolts and um, and thread rod. And you can spin bushings and bearings and all different kinds of stuff in this thing.
1: Sounds exciting to not me.
0: Well, Hey, here, here was the catalyst of getting that thing running. So I had about six months ago, built the bench that it rides on. I, I, I just custom made a table for it to get it up off the floor. And, uh, by the way, I had to have somebody come in and help me, you know, because it's so heavy. That thing is just, it's all cast steel iron. I mean, it is, it's got to weigh a couple hundred pounds. And, um, I put it up on the bench and it kind of lived there. And then about a month and a half ago, two months ago, Dexter and I decided to take it on as a project and we actually did get it functional, but then I stole the VFD from it uh, that runs the motor uh, to send up to Mike LaValle, who is, uh, I shipped him a a grinder. So um, I, you know, I basically harvested some parts uh, from it so I could actually send him a working grinder. Uh, and then uh, it sat again for like another month. And then um, the the project I'm working on now, which is the buffing wheel project, I had no choice. I needed a lathe. I, I had to uh, um, turn down the spindle just slightly so it would fit inside the par- the pillow bearings. And I also needed to be able to uh, thread the ends. You know, I needed four inches of three quarter ten uh, thread on either side. And the really the only tool in the world that can do that is a lathe. Uh, so I, in between all my interruptions today, I'm wiring this lathe up. I'm getting, cause I would already purchased the VFD to replace the one that I harvested, blah, blah, blah. It's sitting in a box. I mean, this is how it goes. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I am just going to focus today and I'm going to get this lathe running. And, um, sure as shit, I did it. I got it up and running. Thank God. And, uh, I got my spindle turned down. I got the threads cut, uh, which I'd never done before. And, um, and and then right around that time, it was time to leave. You know, I had to finish uh, clean up and get home to come here and record the podcast.
1: So the thing that you put threads on, could you just have someone else customize that for you?
0: Yeah, but this is part of the prototyping process. Right. So, you know, to hire a machine shop to cut me a spindle like that uh, would be very expensive. Got it. Okay. And and so...
1: More expensive than a lathe?
0: Uh, Probably not. But you <laughs> know, yeah, yeah. I, I need this tool, Sarah, don't, right. don't, don't, st- don't start it. going down that road. Right. You can't, you can't take it away from me now. It's part of my workshop.
1: Oh, I would never.
0: And, and so, yeah, of course it's cheaper than a lathe, but yeah. Uh, to give me a, an idea that the shaft is 18 inches long, three quarter inches uh, in diameter. And it's a, it's a, you know, tight tolerance shaft that I got from McMaster car for like 25 bucks. That's all it cost. And, like, four hours of my time, you know, to actually make <laughs>
1: Sounds it. Sounds expensive.
0: Uh, well, yeah. But at the same time, I learned a lot, you know. Right. I'm, I'm, And that's why I say the journey today would have been really interesting if people were following me along on that journey.
1: I mean, I feel like you should have a live feed to your workshop. God, I was
0: just thinking the same thing.
1: Because the things that happen in there should be seen.
0: The problem is, is some of it should not be seen. You know, that's the <laughs> other part. So
1: Not on 24-7, but you
0: know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you can always go like Instagram Live yeah. and people would watch it. But the thing is about Instagram Live is that um, just like any live stream, people want to interact with you. So, you know, if you're in the middle of sh- threading this rod and, and you're just cranking away on this lathe uh, – you can't really focus on answering questions and talking to people. It's, it's, you could
1: be like a webcam girl.
0: I could be a cam girl. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I like that concept. I'd be like, Hey boys, want to watch me thread my shaft? (laughs) Come along. Let's lube it up and get it going (laughs) on right here at the housework studio. (laughs) I like this concept. It's a
1: great idea. I'm pretty
0: sure people would pay the pay for that. Um, but, uh, no plans to do that anytime soon. I no. think,
1: yeah, there's a lot of people that would pay to watch you break shit.
0: I break a lot of shit. Yeah, that's true. But but you can see the progression. You know, when you when you start taking the one thing and you're like, okay, I want to do this, and now I need a tool to make that happen, uh, and that tool is in your shop, the story becomes getting the tool functional so that you can actually, you know, create whatever it is you're trying to create. There's so many steps that are involved in creating a tool. And by me sitting down and creating that tool and prototyping it and spending hours and hours and hours doing it, I can then create it, sell it, and hand it off to somebody, and it will save them tons of time. That's my story. I'm an efficiency expert. That's all I am. I'm going to create something that's going to take up less space It's going to be functional and plug into a tool you already own.
1: I think that's great.
0: I'm the Ron Papil of grinders. (laughs) You are. I mean, the rotisserie does turn. Right. Ron Papil should come up with a new rotisserie and call it the revolution. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'd eat a chicken off of a revolution. That could be a video idea. Eating
1: a chicken off of a grinder? We
0: create a rotisserie... That spins using the grinder, and then there's like an oven around it, and we can call it the we call we'll call it the revolution rotisserie. You know, Ron Papil.
1: I have a Facebook friend who is selling a a vertical rotisserie chicken cooking thing,
0: like the one like of the an, gyro things.
1: Yeah, 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 like that. What
0: is that thing called? Where they they put the with the, the meat?
1: Brazilian steakhouse yeah thing. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, it's like an industrial one.
0: Those guys at the mall are like, Yiddo, 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 Yiddo.
1: Exactly. Nick the Greek.
0: Yeah, Nick the Greek. He's selling Mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nick the Greek. Yeah. Nick the Black Greek. Yeah. I like him. Yeah.
1: I happen to notice he it. How much is it? I don't know.
0: Oh, man. I'm interested. Are you? Well, just think about it. we could we could make a revolution rotisserie, yeah
1: you need I think another, people would you watch need another it. project right?
0: I was gonna make a Thanksgiving video and I was gonna make mashed potatoes with the revolution.
1: Can't you
0: I was gonna smash I was like gonna hold turn the it potatoes exactly you. i was gonna I was gonna turn it on the revolution at a hundred percent with like a thirty six grit belt and just mash potatoes into the thing, but then I started thinking about the enormous mess that would create in my shop and I would never ever get it cleaned out. I mean, it would just go everywhere.
1: I don't know. It's, I mean, you create a mess in there every day.
0: I do, but not that kind of mess. You know, metal shavings are one thing. Potato all over my shop and then degrading. Have you ever smelled like what a potato smells like when it starts to like biodegrade? It smells like hot death in a dumpster. So yeah, I'm over it. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. All these ideas I have in my head, by the way, would do really great if I had a big enough space to make this happen. I could have like a dirty room where it's just like tile from floor to the ceiling, including the ceiling. And when you make a mess like that, you just grab a fire hose, rinse it all down the drain and start all over. Again, something I could do if I had more money. I need more money. I got to make more money online so I can actually go and do these, these video ideas that I have. It's 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 it tortures me sometimes, Sarah. I'm telling you,
1: you're very tortured.
0: Yeah. So, speaking of tortured, Halloween is coming up, and uh, I'm working on a video for Halloween. I don't know if it'll be done this year. Every year I say I'm going to make this video, I never do it. But uh, I'm I'm going to hopefully find some time to make this one happen, and and uh, it'll be a Halloween themed YouTube video.
1: It would be fun.
0: It would be fun. And uh, speaking of that. Fun times ahead! I don't know if you've seen on Instagram. Have you been looking at my Instagram? By the way, you don't really look at it.
1: I've been working.
0: Yeah, I know you're busy. Um, I completed four of these Japanese. I think they're called gyotos. Gyotos. They're. Uh, it's a collaboration project I'm doing with Ben's Bites on Instagram. Oh, those. Those. They're nice. Yeah, they're very nice. I shipped all of them to him yesterday priority mail to uh, his his place up in Massachusetts, and he will be adding the handles. If you don't know Ben's Bites, um, he also has another Instagram handle, Ben's Makes. Ben Makes. Ben Makes, all one word. And, uh, and you can go see his amazing handle work. And you'll then quickly realize why I am not making the handles for my own knives, because uh, he is uh, quite the talent and um, knows what he's doing, and I have no idea. I've never made handles like that before. But um, he's making all the handles, and we actually sold one today before it was even completed. Get so out. yeah. Yeah. Somebody reached out to us and said, like, hey, Ooh. I want to buy that knife. Are oh, you looking at his feed? Oh, yeah. That last one he put up, that orange one with the copper oh, inlay. That's awesome. Yeah. I like how the end is rough. I know, I do too. That's my favorite one. Yeah. So, Ben Siegel, he's an amazing human being. Not only is he a friend of mine, but he's also an amazing maker. And uh, so go out and find Ben Ben Makes or Ben's Bites on Instagram. And you can check out uh, the collaboration work that we're doing together. And uh, that'll be an ongoing thing, by the way. We're not going to do the same blades, but we're going to do like four or five at a time. And... If you look at my Instagram feed, you can see the progression. There's like a whole list of things that I had to do to achieve uh, making those knives. And so many people reach out to me and go, "Hey, man, what kind of steel do you use? And you know, what's your belt progression? And how'd you get that texture on there? And you know, how do you get your knives etched? And and uh, I walk through the process in on Instagram. Uh, not in a video, but just in the text. So like underneath the, the knives, you can actually read about my process and uh, see how exactly how I made those knives. And in that case, I actually had uh, the, I had to learn a lot because I never I really wanted to understand texturing and you know I do uh, stock removal, so I'm not like actually uh, forging things, so I don't have a natural sort of um, texture on my steel. Uh, and in this case, I actually used a needle file, a pneumatic needle file. It's the same one I used to uh, grind out the weld seam on the inside of the receiver tubes for the revolution. And I just mounted it in a clamp and uh, ran it at full speed, made sure it was oiled and everything. And then I just ground down and took, you know, took a whole bunch of notches out of it and made it look all texturized and fancy, and beautiful. It looks good. You like? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, they look great. Yeah, I love that live edge handle, though.
0: I know oh. I am in love with that work. He he, every handle he puts out, it's just better and it gets better and better. So we should have him on the show, by the way. We should. Yeah.
1: Do you know what he is planning for these handles, or is it going to be a, a big reveal?
0: Uh, it's, so the one we already sold. His his uh, philosophy on this is when somebody comes to him and says, "I want a handle." He says, Go to look, go look at my Instagram feed and tell me what you like. So he gives him a direction. Mm-hmm. I've already given him what I think I like. Um, he's got some spalted mango. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, nope. but it is effing fantastic. It's beautiful. Spalted mango, mango wood. Spalted, I think it's spalted. Yeah, spalted, spalted mango wood. Yeah, and it's uh, it's beautiful. So, um, I told him to make one for me like that, but uh, we may end up selling all four of these. We have so much interest in them already, they may just sell real quick. And then we're going to do another batch of them, I think, at some point. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, and then the next round, the knives will probably be a little bit different. You know, we won't do the same style. I, I already actually went into CAD and redrew up the, uh, I needed to add a little bit more belly to those knives. I could do it in post, like after I laser cut them uh but I, I just it would be so much easier if they just came out of the out of the plasma table uh already rounded you know the you know what I mean by that Sarah the belly of the knife yes the edge and um it wasn't rounded enough it looked like it in the CAD file, but when they actually got cut out on the table um it it was just too flat, straight up too flat so. Yeah, that yeah. was such a fun uh, uh, collaboration, and I hope to do more with him because he's he's a pleasure to work with, and I really enjoy it.
1: As always, we're better when we collab.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, and I, and if you're if you're a content creator or you're a maker on the internet, uh, you want I, we get this question a lot is you know how do I grow my audience? And it's always 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 through collaboration.
1: You're gonna have a really hard time being a lone wolf. Yep. Really hard.
0: Yep. And it's pretty easy on the internet to collaborate. You just reach out to people and go, hey, you want to do something together? And if they say yes, then you do it.
1: Yeah. I think you were a little uh, apprehensive about reaching out to people at first. You were like, oh, he's too popular. Oh, he's not going to write me back, you know, that kind of thing. It's just keep trying. You know, somebody's going to answer you, somebody's going to want to do a new project with a new artisan. You know, like that excites creative people is working with someone new and creative.
0: Yeah, and you never know. I mean, I've I've reached out to a lot of like upper echelon YouTubers, people that are way above me and stuff, and have gotten no response. But I've gotten some responses too. You know, so. But I,
1: now you have people reaching out to you. Yes, and you know? and I
0: do the same thing. I reciprocate. At least I say no. Like if if it, I'll. I'll some people, it just doesn't work. You know the collaborations—they just don't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, you can't
1: but, work with everybody.
0: Right, but th- like this particular one with Ben, it was—it was just like a no-brainer because it's like what we love to do, and he's good at one thing, I'm good at another. He, you know, it, he built a revolution too, and he's got one in his workshop. Him and his dad built it together, so um, he's got an awesome story. So we already had kind of a kinship there. Mm-hmm. You know, we were already talking, and um, and it, and it became uh, a really cool thing. Also, since we're sort of on the whole bladesmithing thing, talking about that, and tools, I got a new tool, something that I've wanted for so long. Oh, man. And you came along to pick it up with me.
1: Oh, I was going to bring that up. I thought you meant you got something new today. I'm like, oh, my God, please stop.
0: No, I didn't buy anything today. You just got a new tool. Right. That's the tool I'm talking about. All right. And what is that tool, Sarah?
1: Um... I forget what it's called.
0: It's called a Rockwell hardness tester. <laughs> How could you forget that? That's ridiculous. I'm, this is so important.
1: It's very important. I'm sorry. I'm I'm working with this company called Rockall Energy right now at work, and uh,
0: oh, so you keep thinking of that. It name.
1: was. Cl- I was trying to remember what was what.
0: No, this is a Rockwell hardness tester, and it's it, for I,
1: testing the hardness.
0: For testing the hardness, and. Um, so Sarah and I go to uh, – or actually, okay, so let me let me go backwards because I, I want to say that I have been looking to at buying a Rockwell hardness tester for many, many months, almost a year now, and could never justify the expense. And it was – it's like, you know, you go online and look at these phase two Rockwell hardness testers you could spend – Two grand, three grand, five grand, six grand on one.
1: You've been looking for this for how long? A year. A year. See, so the other day when you were like, this thing's on eBay, that was the first I've ever heard of it.
0: Well, because I don't really talk, I don't tell you every tool I'm eyeballing. Brian
1: is just a closeted secret shopper. He loves to shop. Like, it's like the Sam's Club thing, except with tools. Like, he just has a passion for buying shit
0: i buy tools but i use them
1: <laughs> you do you use everything yeah i, I will it, give you that yeah. nothing sits around and collects dust for very long except the lathe but
0: the lathe did sit that around that was
1: kind of a group purchase with a lot of other things
0: that was yeah definitely it wouldn't have been something i would have sought. like i wouldn't have sought that out right. i don't think but since it came with like the mill and right, all the other right, stuff right. i was like but you know, i had no idea
1: you'd been looking for a hardness thing for so long and then you're like it's here
0: Probably once a week, I would go on every <laughs> single platform. So
1: much shopping.
0: Craigslist, Facebook. Well, this is what I do at four in the morning <laughs> when everyone else is asleep. Uh, Craigslist, Facebook, uh, Facebook Marketplace, uh, eBay. And let me tell you how I found this stellar deal. Go on eBay. I type in Rockwell Hardness Tester. And then the, here's the secret, because this is a heavy tool. This isn't something you really want to have shipped too, by the way, because it's like, it's sensitive, you know, equipment on the inside. You don't want to jostle it around too much. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't
1: want it to fall over in the car. Uh,
0: yeah, that's a whole nother story. Uh, <laughs> it, we'll get to that in a second. So I'm on eBay. I type in Rockwell hardness tester. And then the, here's the secret. You go up to filter and you put it by distance. And it will tell you if there's anything within a certain distance and it'll, you know, whatever's closest to you will be uh, displayed. And there is a company in Fort Myers, which is just North of us, um, about 20 minutes North of us. And they had one and it was for sale. And I'm like, no friggin' way. So, uh, I messaged the guy. I want to go look at it, blah, 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 long story short, the next day I have this thing, I have it, I have acquired it. And, uh, really cool guys too. I got to meet all the guys in their machine shop. Uh, they make uh, broaching tools for the aerospace industry and they make a whole bunch of stuff. They had just had the machine certified and um, calibrated. So, you know, and they, sh- and I'm there and I'm like, Hey, would somebody mind just showing me how this thing works? Because I've never used one before. And of course somebody there who is an expert, you know, in these machines, um, says, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's, let's do it together. So, uh, you know, he walked me through the process of how to use it. And, um, it was, uh, it, it really was a great experience. And I made some new friends of course. So, um, anyway, Long story short is I now have a Rockwell hardness tester and, uh, I've been going around just testing all my blades and, you know, seeing where my hardness is because, you know, I've got all these, you know, some of these junk blades that I haven't actually turned into anything or sold. They're just sitting around and I'm like, you know, it would be really great to know, like, Hey, you know, am I doing my heat treating correctly? Um, and for the most part, I am. You know, uh, I have a, a bunch of A2 tool steel that's above sixty HRC. So, like, if you're in the knife making world or you're a you're a knife nerd, you know, you really want your your HRCs to be uh, in the upper fifties in uh, you know um, low sixties. You know, that's that's the target you know number you're really trying to achieve.
1: I was wondering about that.
0: I knew you were thinking. You're probably it probably kept you up at night that, I was, wondering. I
1: was going to say that. See, that's what I wonder in the middle of the night when everybody's sleeping.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, we we do need to know this information. It's very important. And and the reason why you want to know this is because the blades that you're making, you know, you want to make sure that they're um, going to last a long time, that they hold an edge for a long time, then and they're not going to, you know, over, you know, you're not going to damage the knife if, if if you're using it. I make a lot of culinary knives, so I don't. Uh, you know, these aren't chopping knives and people aren't going to be chopping coconuts with them and stuff like that, like I do with the hog splitters. But, um, and by the way, I tested the hog splitters. They're all like 59 to 62 HRC, which is great. Really strong steel, A2, air quenched. Love A2. I love working with it. But anyway, um, so I get this uh, hardness tester. It's in the back of my car. I managed to strap it down. It's, it weighs 190 pounds to give you a point of reference. That's how much this device weighs. Uh, it has uh, weights inside of it that kind of like lower and come back down all on spindles and everything. Um, that That's how it actually does the measuring of the of the steel. And it has a diamond indenter on the on the tip there. And uh, if you want to know more about it, you can just watch. There's YouTube videos. Actually, there's not that much out there uh, on YouTube, but there's a few good videos. I'll probably put one out um, once I get more familiar with the device. Uh, but, uh, the little bit of drama ensued. So as I'm driving this thing down to my studio, um, I got cut off by a 90 or eight year old woman. I don't even know how old she was. (laughs) We're both turning left. I'm like five minutes away from the shop and I have to make a quick snap decision in my head, um, to avoid an accident. And, um, the Rockwell hardness tester tipped over in the back of my car and like smashed the side of my uh, rear of my, my SUV and broke all the plastic and everything. And it was just the the loudest crash. And you know, what am I, I'm in traffic. I can't do anything. It's just like laying there, this beautiful antique device that I now own that I just bought. And it's laying on its side. And, um, I, uh, I was, I was devastated for a bit. I got it back to the studio, um, took it out of the car, uh, set it up right, and then went through the arduous process of understanding how all of it works. So I pulled out the manual, which the machine shop gave me, and uh, also called the company that built it, and they, uh, they, they gave me some resources as well to get the machine put back together. And actually, surprisingly enough, I understand the inner workings of it even more so now. And um, calibrated it to the point where it is spot on now. So I understand how to calibrate it and how to reassemble the entire interior of the machine, um, which isn't too complicated. But um, I got it fixed. So um, it was it was a it was a heartbreaking thud that I. I can't believe the damn thing tipped over in the car. I mean, I it was a, it was a, it was quite a jaunt that I had to do, but it was strapped down, you know. But when I was, you know, obviously it's it's top heavy. So
1: Yeah, it's kind of tall. It was
0: ta- it was kind of tall.
1: And definitely not strapped down well enough. I'm sorry. You don't think so? It fell over.
0: Well, I mean, I swerved to avoid <laughs> Thelma, you know. <laughs> mm. It was a jaunt. I mean, it was a good like ah like she's gonna hit me
1: well i'm glad you're an expert on the hardness tester now
0: yeah it was great it was a it was a it's a great tool to have so
1: i was worried you wouldn't get it dialed in uh but apparently you got it dialed in better than it started so hey
0: yeah it's it's functional now i mean it was functional when i got it but when they showed me in the machine shop how to use it They gave me the, um, hardness testing plates that are certified, you know, and they have like engraved in them, like what the actual HRC is. And theirs was off by like one, like one and a half HRC. And now the way I have it dialed in, it is spot on. It's not off at all. I mean, if I put in a plate that says 62.1 HRC, it comes back at 62.1. So I know I've got it dialed in. Way to go. Yeah. And, by the way, it's just a cool-looking device. Uh, If you look at this thing, it just looks old. It's got a dial on the front. It's got, like, levers and, you know.
1: It looks like an old kitchen mixer or something. Yeah,
0: it does, like an old KitchenAid or something. Yeah. Like, you expect it to start. And it's
1: that color, too.
0: Chopping onions or something.
1: It's like that seafoam green.
0: Yeah, it's avocado green, I think.
1: Is it avocado?
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know what you would classify it as. You're the color expert. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but you put filters on the photo of it.
0: It's definitely not sea foam. I didn't. Sea see foam it. is more like aquamarine blue or something, right?
1: See, it's kind of like.
0: Yeah, that's filtered though. Yeah, it's darker green than that. It's more avocado.
1: It's kind of like a key lime, like a muted key lime.
0: Perhaps yes, a perhaps
1: little chartreuse mixed in.
0: Yes. So Rockwell hardness tester. Completed. Check. I'm gonna check that off my. I've always wanted one of those. Ching. <laughs> and I got a stellar deal on it.
1: It looks like something you would squish stuff in.
0: No, technically like you, you do. Just, you you do kind of squish stuff.
1: What's that YouTube channel that just squishes? Press stuff? tube. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 It's got a little redundant now. Press tube. So.
1: Yeah.
0: We have some questions.
1: We do have some questions.
0: You wanna you wanna go through? We we actually posted on youtube community and asked uh if you know asked our audience if they would like to ask us any questions and we got some really good ones
1: we did so from kyle could you briefly explain how you went about mounting your rubber contact wheel to your tooling arm for the 2x72 also have you considered or already made a small wheel attachment
0: uh, I'll answer the second one first because it's easier. I have a small wheel attachment. I actually have two of them now, and I wouldn't, I don't, I could probably make one, but it would take me a significant amount of time and would not be worth doing. I have all the tooling now to make one. You know, you need a lathe and you know, a mill and all, but uh, you can get them cheap enough. You can get them on eBay. Uh, I highly recommend the TR Maker uh one now it's a it's a got it's i have two versions of i have one that's all metal all steel so the little roller wheel things are just all steel and then i have a rubber one i like the tr maker one much better because it's got the rubber contact wheel on it and i get a much cleaner uh grind so the metal it seems to bounce and chatter a little bit more so i don't recommend the fully metal. i mean you can't there's probably a use for it too but um, anyway I, I I once I got the Tr maker one, I really like that one so and and you sell, he sent it to me for free. so I like that. I like free shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. I mean, you know, I would never endorse it if I didn't think it you know it was awesome right 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 so um and I'm doing a video on that by the way, so I'm making a, I'm making an entire video about how to attach different types of tooling to tooling arms um, and how simple it is if you follow the the way I do it. So essentially, you know that the platen and the work rest ride on a one and a half inch by one and a half inch tooling arm. And that tooling arm is a quarter inch thick wall. And there's a reason I did that. And that's because you're able to drill and tap into that steel and and you can put threads into it and you can bolt things up and make it work. Um, So literally anything you can dream up, you can attach to one of those tooling arms. So uh, contact wheel. Uh, one of the things you have to really keep in mind is the spacing, because that that tooling arm is not going to ride whatever you, you know, bolt up to that tooling arm. It's not the, the belt needs to ride, um, you know, perpendicular to the to the motor mount. So um, or parallel to the motor mount, I should say. And um, it's really important that you get the right amount of spacing. So those little spacers that, you know, you see in the plan set, you can make those for the contact wheel um and by the way there's like tons of great deals right now like if you go on ebay and you look around and uh, even people find them on aliexpress and alibaba and all that stuff uh there's some like really great deals on on contact wheels i don't remember where i got mine from i paid a lot of money for it it was like almost 300 bucks just for one contact wheel 10 inch contact wheel um and i did that because i didn't fully understand like you all, and and Kyle, you're not the only one that wants to know this. I get this question all the time in my email. Um, people just just truly don't understand like how simple it is to mount one of these things. I thought I had to buy like the special wheel or whatever. It really, the bearing is all you want to make sure that it's a half inch bearing. So you're going to use a half inch bolt, and it's a half inch thirteen bolt. And it just really depends on you know how wide that contact wheel is. But you could probably get away with a three inch bolt. Or a three and a half inch bolt, and it's really just that simple. And you, but obviously you have to have a tap, and you have to, you know, have a couple of lock washers and and, and locking nut. But it, that's pretty much it. It's literally a bolt that goes through the contact wheel and probably through a couple of spacers, like maybe a couple of those brass spacers that we include in the Revolution kit, and then into um, this uh, into the actual big metal spacer, which is usually three eighths of an inch thick. Um, sometimes you need to double it up. It just depends on how uh, well you did your welding when you put together your revolution. Um, But it'll be very similar to the amount of spacing that you put between your D-plate and your tooling arm when you made your platen. And that's it. And then bolt it all up, tighten it down, and rock and roll, baby. That's it. Sounds good. Was that brief enough?
1: (laughs) (sighs) I know that there is no such thing as a brief answer from Brian. I got
0: to mansplain everything.
1: Oh, my God. Welcome to my
0: life. Let's go back and talk about HRC again.
1: No. All right. How about another question? Let's do it. From Not Us, Not Us. Have you ever considered making the legs from one and a half inch and having them telescope into separate two inch pieces for height adjustment? This would allow for longer motors to be used if need be. Also, maybe give future builders a rough idea of how high their bench should be.
0: I love this concept. Um, I don't know if it's not us, not us, or if it's not us, not us. I don't know. I don't know how he pronounces it, but this guy has given me so many good suggestions, and I love that idea of having a telescoping, um, you know, it would obviously complicate the build a little bit, you know, you. but I love that concept. I think he's, he's right on the money by saying, you know, I kind of envision, like the way I envision what he's saying is, is that um, the the two pillars that are, are, are holding up the entire grinding head of the revolution, um, there would be receiver tubes that those would sit in and then you could put pins, right? You could raise it up and then put a slide a pin in and it would get higher or lower. And why I think this is such a brilliant, brilliant concept is that uh, there are many times where I wish my revolution was lower hmm. and, and, you know, that could be achieved in a number of ways. It could be achieved the way that notus notus is saying. Um, or I also thought about adding a third receiver tube to the um, – the, the, so, you know, right now there's two. And if you added a third one underneath, which is I've seen other people do, um, and it works fine because there's no clearance problems. There's no issues doing this you could potentially put your work rest a little bit lower and take more advantage of the platen right now the way it sits if you use a grinding jig your blade is going to be right at that top inch of that platen and that's you know cut kind of cutting it close and if you want like to work on big cleavers like i do you got to make some modifications to make it happen um, if you're using a jig now if you're hand grinding and you're just doing it freehand None of that makes, none of that's a problem. You know, you can, you have 12, it, basically you have 11 and three quarters of, of an inch plat in there and you can play around with it. But there has been many times where I wish the, the revolution was like an inch lower.
1: So depending on how much maneuverability you need with your project, you might want it higher or lower.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it also is a comfortability thing. Like when I'm hammering out these four knives, you know, and I know I'm not a production knife maker and I know a lot of guys are going to laugh at me right now, but doing four knives in a row, I mean, it was like a lot, you know, you're standing in one spot doing the same, you know, repetitive motion. It would be nice to have the flexibility to change positions. Hmm. So. All right. Great suggestion
1: from chris where's the angle grinder stand project headed
0: chris polk i already know who that's from
1: i didn't know if i should do no yeah days. yeah no he's
0: he's public <laughs> on youtube I, I don't think he'd mind um the angle grinder uh, project um it's kind of stalled out i mean it i like where it's at as a project so i don't i wouldn't change much in regards to it uh, I would like to add some functionality, maybe a bigger grinding wheel, stuff like that. But it's if with the bigger grinding wheel, it feels a little dangerous. So the four four inch really works for me, and I use that tool all the time, Chris. I don't know. um I think what he's asking is maybe like, will I release plans and parts for it? That might be what he's asking.
1: I think so. Is that
0: what it sounds like where's to you? The, where's where's the
1: grinder stand? stand project headed? Where's okay. It, where's it headed? Where's it headed? What are you doing?
0: I think I could produce plans for that. And I think people would buy them. And maybe parts too. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's something that we, need, we, need, we should talk about. Because it, I use that tool all the time. I, I probably use it just as much as I use the Revolution. Not for as long of periods of time, but I use it almost every day. It's a great addition to my shop. Hmm.
1: Sounds like it's worth pursuing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Get I just have it. to
0: convince people that they need one. I think that's the biggest There's hurdle. probably
1: already people a lot of people that know they need one.
0: Maybe. Maybe. When I when I created the two x seventy two Revolution Grinder, people already knew they needed one. You know what I mean? It was an easy sell. Because you know, I created a tool that's like really heavy duty and you can build it yourself, so it's kind of like a project, and I sell the parts for it. They but the concept They already had in their mind, you know, they already knew they wanted one. Um, With this thing, it's, it's just something that like, I, I think I saw it on Instagram. Somebody had one, like a rudimentary version of it. And I was like, I want that. I want to make that. And then, uh, of course, I added the articulating work rest and stuff. But
1: so do you feel like before you had it, there was a major gap in your tool game?
0: Yeah, because this this thing, if you want like knife edges in like in, a lot of people have these big disc grinders, you know, twelve inch flat disc where, um, you, you know, you can flatten out your edges and so that's what this thing is good for. But you can do it. You can round over things really easily. It's got a padded. It's it's so versatile and it doesn't run through abrasives. It's fast. It's you know it's loud as shit, but it's I mean it's it's a great tool. I think everybody should have one. If you're a knife maker, you should definitely have one.
1: Do you think most knife makers have it?
0: No. Oh. Nobody has this. There you go. This is something I've never seen. Like, I only have seen one version of it somewhere else. And it wasn't even like what I created. It was just a very rudimentary version of it.
1: So to sum up where this project is headed.
0: It's on the back burner, but it's not dead. All right. How's, how's that? All right. Okay.
1: Okay. From Matt Quimby, don't know if this is the kind of question you're looking for, but with the 2x72 grinder, wouldn't it be easiest to weld up the tracking pillar before welding on the motor mount plate? Seems like that would take the hassle out of getting that aligned later.
0: He is absolutely right. And the last one I did, I built it that way.
1: Way to go, Matt.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't accredit that decision to matt somebody let else matt have it, okay matt you, you're the one that told me how to do that and i uh i took your advice <laughs> and someone, made it <laughs> so, so somebody
1: else suggested it to you
0: uh yeah and i can't remember who it was oh yeah
1: well if that person wants to come out of the woodwork and take credit for it until then matt quimby i'm gonna get 50 emails
0: now from people <laughs> taking credit for that um i don't remember who it was but somebody meant it was a comment i think on okay. one of the videos yeah
1: all right well until such person comes out of the woodwork way to go matt um last question i saved this one for last on purpose i'm interested in hearing about your overall plans for the future in a perfect world where do you want to be with everything in five years from jonathan w
0: jonathan w
1: where do you want to be in five years in a perfect world
0: um Man, um, I know I want to keep making tools, you know, and, and I want to, I want to find ways to, to empower other makers to make their own tools, just like we did with the revolution project, you know, that changed my life in such a way, because I think it changed a lot of lives. You know, that tool itself gave people a tool that would help them make a living. You know, they now have a piece of equipment they couldn't afford before.
1: That's what I think is interesting about you uh, versus a lot of other makers. You don't just make things and sell them. You make a thing that other people want to assemble and put together so that they can make other things with it. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I try to inspire that, I think. You know, and I... I've always been a DIY guy, so, you know, I can't afford, just like everybody else, I can't afford to go buy a manufactured grinder, um, and, and, you know, a lot of those manufactured grinders really didn't meet my specifications anyway. You know, I really wanted a, a whole lot of features that I could not seem to find in one grinder. Um, they're getting there. You know, they're, these, these other manufacturers are, are coming up with these concepts, but, you know, to have an integrated work rest that you can turn around, you know, almost a 12 inch long, two inch platen um, tilting and and balanced and heavy duty and fast and, you know, variable speed. You can add a huge uh, drive wheel to it. I mean, it, there are a hundred different things. Plus, you know, I'm adding all these attachments to it now, you know, buffing wheel and the whole thing. Um,
1: How do you think the revolution is going to age?
0: i think we're going to see them i mean already thousands of them have been built now so i think it's going to be like one of those tools that you're going to see it's going to be in almost every garage and yeah i i honestly do think it's going to be the next table saw it's going to be the next drill press i think everyone is going to have one of these i really do i'm not i i use it so much so for so many different things that you couldn't convince me that once this thing goes like way mainstream, that, you know, I mean, might, not, might not be the revolution, but it'll be some version of it. We'll be, you know,
1: right. sitting
0: there collecting dust in a lot of workshops right. and making a shit ton of dust.
1: Right. And what else will you be doing in five years? What are you seeing?
0: So in five years, I think I'll be a full-time content creator and a tooling company. And what the content will revolve around is – Uh, A small one person, you know, company basically that grows into a large company um, and you get to come along for the ride. I'm going to show the world that manufacturing in America is not dead and that we can do this and that it's possible.
1: What a nice message.
0: And if you work for it, (laughs) you can achieve anything you want.
1: It's true. You're very positive. Some days. Some days.
0: Some minutes, I'm not. No. Earlier today, I was very not positive. But that's how it goes. I'm a very passionate person.
1: Mm, Very passionate. I
0: yelled a lot today Mm. at Mm -hmm. people. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Because sometimes people need to be yelled at. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll have to pick that one up in five years and check in with Jonathan W.
0: All right. I like it. I
1: like that question.
0: And I hope the podcast, you know, continues and grows and, you know, just all forms of content that we're doing. I think that, um, it all sort of, it melds together, you know, everything that we're doing on social networks, it's, it's important that we continue documenting the process because if it inspires one person to do something. Which I believe we've already inspired a whole bunch of people to do a whole bunch of stuff. But I want more. I want to inspire more people to step up and take control of their financial freedom, their side hustles, whatever they want to do. If you want to make something and you need a tool to do it, you know, make it, build it, figure it out. You know, learn CAD, you know. Um, by the way, I did buy the license to Fusion 360.
1: Oh, you did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know, since we're talking about CAD, and it's a quick segue, because we're already at the one-hour mark. Can you believe that? We're already at one hour. And um,
1: neither of us ranted yet. You had an opportunity, too. I could have. I could have started screaming. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, I've, I don't think I need to do that anymore. I felt <laughs> terrible about that. Um, but uh, the the going back to Fusion, Fusion, um, as most of you know, is uh, they changed their dynamic, they changed their agreement with people using it for personal use. So it used to be that you could make a hundred thousand dollars or less uh, using their software and you would be qualified to use their free licensing. And then, of course, once you get used to it, they changed that to a thousand dollars. So now it's instead of a hundred thousand, it's a thousand. And um, so right now, because they changed that and went public with it, and they got a lot of uh, and I think they already kind of Knew that this was going to happen, that they were going to get a lot of negative press about it. Um, They uh, went and did a big sale. So you can buy Fusion 360 right now for 40% 40 off. I think it's like it comes just under $300 a year to have the licensing. I was not a big fan. We talked about this in the last podcast, but I'm not a big fan of like, you know, paying monthly or whatever. But I, I will say that Fusion is an amazing piece of software. And uh, I really want to support it. I think it's a fantastic thing, and it's a time saver. And for 300 bucks a year, for 12 months of use, it's worth it. So I went ahead and bought it. And I also, um, their business development people reached out to me about being an influencer. And then by the time we had kind of negotiated and talked about it, they closed that program. So it's there, but they're not accepting any new people.
1: Oh, you missed the boat.
0: I missed the window. I don't really know how. I, the guy was like, "Oh, you know, there's no, we're just we're not taking any more people at this time." I'm like, "But you reached out to me." <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay. Uh so I didn't get that chance um yet. He he did put me on the list. He said I'm like really early on the list so if other people fall off and stop being influencers, they're going to reach out to me, you know. But I thought I could get, at least get a free license out of the deal, and I didn't get that.
1: Yeah, they're over it. They've given out enough free licenses, I think I, that, I think
0: that's what they're thinking, to they're be honest. Like, we're,
1: we're losing our ass on this. I
0: don't know. I don't know if Autodesk <laughs> is losing their ass on anything, but I, I'll tell you, I think it's, it's definitely... Um, it, it was definitely a power move, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it, it just really made a lot of people...
1: The timing is weird it, on a move like is that. Way weird. Super weird because right now people are like, "And yep. eh, do I really need to be spending money on that thing? I'm going to cancel it." Right. It does make you reevaluate what you actually need versus what you want.
0: I just think it's so useful I can't justify not having it.
1: So. What is the cheaper or free alternative?
0: Well, I was using SketchUp before that. And it's right. really rudimentary. Right. You know, so you you know and there and there's free CAD, there's like a bunch of other stuff. It's just not as intuitive. You know, you you get what you pay for. It's yeah. the same with Creative Cloud. I pay for that too.
1: Sure. Versus saves, MS Paint.
0: Right. It saves me a shit ton of time. Yeah. And I can hammer out really good quality stuff and it costs what? $29.99 a month. Mm-hmm. You know? So and I get cloud storage. So anyway i'm gonna wrap it up i mean it's we're an hour in and uh wrap it up you know i I think i'm just tired it's late the dog
1: is already in bed the
0: dog's asleep (laughs) i'm i've got i've got uh i'm all sore from cutting threads no my arms are sore my back
1: does everyone know yet that you're a baby
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I'm people not know sure. this. Okay,
1: we've talked about that? Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't hide any of that stuff. All right, fair enough. I'm a big baby. I'm a big whiner. <laughs> Anyhow, guys, we appreciate you for listening. Thank you so much. As always, there are show notes. You can go down there. You can find the people who sponsor us on this show. Um, one in particular, which, by the way, saved my ass today when I was cutting those threads because I felt my back tightening up, and I immediately walked over to my cooler in my studio and grabbed... Key Nutrients, Hydration and Electrolyte Drink. And if you go down into our show notes, you can find our affiliate link. You can go over to Key Nutrients and you can buy yourself some really awesome uh, hydration powder. And it tastes really good. It's zero calorie. And it will give you the necessary electrolytes to continue on during your day. In fact, I think it saved my back today because I was going to go into full-on tweaker back you know i i'm like i'm going like this i'm like ah my back is really hurting oh and then i'm like i'm going glug 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 and i am like i immediately start to feel better
1: less phone calls to the wambulance
0: yeah exactly i'm i just i wasn't dizzy anymore i felt good i can continue on
1: you're a much nicer person after hydrating
0: i i am that's true yeah it's true <laughs> so anyhow. We appreciate you, as always. And if you would like to support our show in any other way, you can go to our website, housemade.us, and you can buy pieces, parts, and plans, The Revolution. You can buy sticker packs. You can uh, shoot us an email using our contact page form. You can sign up for a newsletter, which we never send out. And uh, you can also go to Apple iTunes, and you can give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it.
1: I think at some point you should send something out to everybody on the newsletter. Maybe surprise them.
0: I, there's like 2,000 people on that newsletter now.
1: I know people don't like newsletters, but, you know.
0: Yeah. Maybe do a video newsletter. Oops. Like, hey, everybody. Thanks for building the revolution. My name's Brian House.
1: Or thanks for buying the plans and then not building the oh, revolution. Geez. Yeah, I'm how sure many, there's a how few. How many DIY guys have projects stacked up that they want to do and don't have the time?
0: If I could make the the case for the revolution, I would say build that one first because it will make all your other projects go by so much quicker. Ooh, that's my that's my pitch. That's my Ron Papil straight up pitch. All right, Ron. Come on now, go to my website. Is that what he sounds like? No, he doesn't sound like
1: <laughs> no, that. No, he, he lives does in not.
0: Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian House, and you've been listening to the Work for it podcast see ya bye now if you like this show take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network